Alrighty, um, hmm, I had an idea for how to introduce the show, and I had an idea for a name for you today, but I don't remember what it was. Oh! I remember what I was going to name you. I just got to pull that information up. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, nice playing, dog drool. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Pie Factory Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another episode of Pie Factory Podcast, episode 64. 64. Oh, and that's actually going to uh, dovetail nicely in with uh, with uh, with an update that I'm going to uh, to do a little bit later. Oh, do tell. Um, yeah, well, not right now. Yeah. Uh, but once again, from uh, from near one of the uh, very few high level radioactive waste disposal facilities in the United States. This is Jimmy G. And twice again from um, about. Half a block from where um, the Lone Ranger graduated from high school. This is, um, oh, crap. What's my name? Um, mm, excuse me. That'll be my name. My th- throat clear. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this, it occurs to me. Oh, what what, that, what occurs uh, to you? It occurs to me that uh, last episode we were talking. Uh, oh, I know. Day the- late, Sean, because I wanted to record a day later than we normally do. So there we go. Day late, Sean. That's, that's who I am. Yay. Yay. It occurs to me that at the end of the show, uh, there was a clip that uh, Hyde put in at the end of the show uh, about you stating your displeasure for nerdy, geeky things, uh, always like quoting Monty Python. And I was really thinking long and hard about that. So tonight, well, tonight, I'm not going to quote Monty Python at all. I'm going to no more Monty Python tonight. That includes uh, faulty I'm, towers, by the way, just by association. Well, that that wouldn't be too hard for me because I've only ever seen one episode of that, even though there's only like six. But um, oh, would that include the Ruddles, though? Well, I don't know anything about about the Ruddles, to be honest. But in its wake, I'm going to just quote lines from the movie Sixteen Candles. So what um, could possibly go wrong? Lake, big lake, car. So no, nothing could go wrong with that. So. Um, yeah, so sixteen. it is 16 Candles Night on Pie Factory Podcast. So how are you doing, Sean? Um, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I'm just middle oh, of... Oh, you know what? No, no, no. Your name isn't Sean. No, 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 no. no, no. You know what your last only, name is? What, what is my last name? Dong. Why? You know what your first name is? No. Long. Oh. You know what your middle name is? Steinert? Duck. Tonight, you will be known as Long Duck Dong. Didn't we already establish a name for me tonight? Yeah, well, I am usurping your authority. Good grief! Usurping seems to be the in thing these days. I'm afraid that I'm afraid that was that's going to have to fly tonight, given that you are tonight's moderator. Okay, I'll tell you what. You don't have to refer to yourself as that, but I may or may not. I'll probably forget. So you got that going for you. Hey, hey. there's my catchphrase. So oh, we uh, need a catchphrase so, yeah. bell. We, we do. I'm going to see if we have Ding. one here in the Pie Factory Headquarters North Storage Closet. Actually, it should, instead of a bell, you should just it should just be the uh, the sad horn <laughs> sort of thing, or maybe just the you know just the shortened version of it. That might be a good thing. So, any rate, so um, Sean, uh, what hast thou been playing? Oh wow. Um, I've been playing the games that we're going to be talking about today. Of course. And let's see, I I, I played. That. I actually played some Atari 7800 games. Surprise, I know. 
because <laughs> because when do I ever talk about Atari 7800? I played Centipede in expert mode and didn't do all that great on it because of the Atari Age High Score Club. I only got like in the 60s, I think, 60,000 something. Mm-hmm. I played Super Circus Atari Age quite a lot. Yes, as I haven't played it a lot, but I've played it after some interesting information appeared on the 7800 forums about the game. Namely, that there's a boss in the game. Sort of. Sort of. It's not technically a boss, more like a bonus item, I guess, but you can still lose it. Yeah. It's, it's a bonus uh, in the same sense as Space Duel has a bonus round. Yeah, I only noticed that when I was playing it. I didn't, because I remember I researched that whole development thread and everything, and I thought it was a straight out bonus round, but yeah. But uh, hey, for more details, people can listen to episode 21 of the Atari 7800 Homebrew podcast. Mm-hmm, that they can. But uh, what else did I play? I. <sighs> I played Mooncresta, too, because that's also part of the Atari Age High Score Club. And I didn't realize, I I didn't, I knew there was a bug with Mooncresta in the Bob DiCrescenzo 30th Anniversary Collection cart. Um, after you destroy an entire enemy's for, enemy formation, your ship suddenly blows up. Hmm. And, uh, that is a bug. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a bug. It's only in that multi-cart, though. It's not in the standalone version. Hmm, interesting. I actually played a little bit of that on my Mateos cart, which actually I did get a uh, a shell to put my Mateos in, and I kind of screwed it up a little bit by uh, cleaning the uh, label off with a petroleum-based uh, solvent. Hmm. Um, although I think it's not as bad as I originally thought, and I might be able to uh, to buff it out uh, a little bit with the uh, with my Dremel. But uh, I was playing a little Mooncresta too, and that's a fu- that's a fun game, and. It's one of those games that I played that we should talk about it at some point, but uh, just briefly, it's it's one of those games that I played when I was younger quite a bit because it saw it, that was that was one of those games that I call a laundromat game because that's where I saw it most of the yeah, time. I've never seen and, it. So. And played it and really liked the game, but it was one of those games where I, for some reason, never caught the name of the game on the cabinet. And then Bob DiCrescenzo comes out with it, and I'm like, I know this game. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, do continue. Um, and um, I think that's it. I don't think I really played much else. Just uh, just those games, really. Um, I've been, I don't know why, but I've been just, when I, in times when I just didn't feel like doing anything else, I've been playing the Donkey Kong difficult ROM in MAME mm-hmm. lately, and I, I really don't know why, but I've been. You mean, when you say the difficult ROM, you mean the original Donkey Kong difficult ROM, not any of like the D2K No, no, I'm talking about or like, whatever. Yeah, the difficult Official version Gunness of the original. Official Gunness to Goodness, yeah. 100% Japanese Donkey Kong. No, it's the American version. Oh, okay. The one but, where the, the still, I mean, it's it's Donkey Kong. It's no special levels or no, anything. It's no, just no, Donkey no. It's Kong not customized or anything. Up. It's basically the same version they have at uh, Gallop and Go Stand Underground Retrocade. Oh, okay. Because they both actually have the difficult ROM. Oh, really? Yep. Well, that's interesting. I've noticed there's a few times when I've played games not knowing that they've had, like, more difficult ROM in there, and I've actually done better than, yeah. than the easy ROM. Uh, I've noticed that, actually, at one point with uh, Scramble uh, on the 7800, actually, I would do better on difficult than I did regular, but I'm thinking that was just more because of practice, because I tried playing it again recently, and, yeah, I sucked. 
Oh, here's why I haven't seen uh, Mooncrest. Uh, you can find it in Sherwood, uh, in Sherwood, Arkansas, at the Z82 Retrocade, at the Pinball PA at um, Ale- in Alakipa, Pennsylvania, and Arcade Hree in Servigny Uyezd, Czech Republic. Oh, well, we've all been to that arcade. Yeah, I know, I know. There's a reason I haven't been back there. Probably because it's in the Czech Republic. Probably because it's in the Czech Republic, and I've not, I've never been to, well, anywhere in Europe. So, you got that going for mm-hmm. you. Hey! Oh, that's, hey, that's, that's your my line. line. Yeah. Whose line? Oh, wait a minute. No, it's got to be uh, 16 candles. Uh, I can't think of one for that. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, well. Um, I've been playing. Uh, oh, have you been playing anything else, or can I continue? That's it. Go, go on and uh, continue. Continue. Well, I've been uh, playing a little bit of Moon Cresta on there. Uh, there is another game, a homebrew Bob DiCrescenzo shooter game, and I can't think of the name of it, but it's uh, the game that Mega Mania for the Atari 2600 was obviously based off of, and I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. Oh. It is an arcade port. I'm trying to think. Uh, it's uh, it's um, Fight the Galaxy Wars. Play. Is it Astro Blaster? It might be because um, I think it's Astro Blaster. Yeah. yeah, it shares a lot in common. Or, like I said, Mega Mania is obviously a very stripped down version of that game. Uh, but again, that's something we can talk about at a later time. And uh, I rather enjoy that game myself. But and uh, so I was playing a little bit of that, and I was playing one of my favorite Bob D. Crescenzo uh, Atari Seven. You're listening to the Bob D. Crescenzo Hour, uh, starring not Bob D. Crescenzo, and. Um, Wow, we go off on his games a lot, maybe just because they're so dang good. Dang. But uh, uh, I was playing uh, Failsafe off of my Mateos card, and I would get to, like, the fifth level. The fifth level? Yeah, and the, I, would, I would near the end of the level, and a little a little tiny tank or, hu- or a soldier or something would shoot and kill me, and then the game would crash, and I've had that happen really? more than once. I'm, huh. And I'm wondering if it's... Uh, I'm wondering... If it's just the uh, the ROM that I have, because it was in a it was in a package that um, that uh, a friend of the show uh, sent me in a zip file, and I don't want to say Bobby I, uh, Bobby Adad more because I he's he's a nice guy and very generous. Yeah, we don't want, I think he's we don't on want holiday. Flood, we don't want floods of like three people who listen to the show like emailing him saying I want that Bobby zip, you know. <laughs> but uh, so I think it might just be something with the ROM. So I'm gonna. Uh, download a new uh, version of that ROM and um, and try it again because that's a real fun game. I always loved Countermeasure on the Atari Fifty Two Hundred. Uh, when you would fail the game, the uh, the end of game graphic was just fa- like how do you gig- fail a game? How do you fail a game? Oh, you mean lose or something or get well if you, when you fail. That's when uh, the enemy launches its nuclear missiles. I would say that's an epic fail. Well, isn't that what you're supposed to do because it's called fail safe, implying that it's safe to fail? Shut up. So, at any rate, um, the awesome thing with fail safe is is uh, if you uh, if the missiles launch, um, it displays this gigantic, like awesome skull and crossbones graphic, and of course the programmer hit his initials in one of the arms. Come to, uh, or one of the crossbones, and uh, I believe his initials actually are ARM. And um, so, anyway, ever since I played that, uh, when I first owned a 5200, I was just in love with that game. That was just one of my favorite games. And I saw Bob D. Crescenzo did it for the 7800, and uh, he added some power ups and stuff to it. And I really, really liked the game a lot. Um, VideoGameCritic.com gave the game a D. 
Hmm. Uh, well, you know, I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he says too, and he does allow people to vote on uh, games that he's reviewed with, you know, with uh, you know from uh, like A to F or A plus to an F on it. So uh, I went up there and jacked the uh, score up a little bit because I like the game. There you go. So the the public opinion of games don't always match his uh, what he thinks of the games, but hey, they're still entertaining reviews though. So and he's I think right more often than he's wrong. So. I write, like to read his side every now and then. but uh, So yeah, Failsafe I've been playing. Then, of course, I've been playing uh, the games that we're going to talk about tonight. And, oh, boy. Oh, I can't <sighs> wait for you to talk about one. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, been playing more Two Tigers. And I think I found a, a high-scoring strategy that just never occurred to me before. And, um, hint, hang along the ocean level, just slightly above it, so you can, A, release your bombs, and, B, uh, kill the uh, kill the airplanes that are actually low flying across the uh, across the ship at the bottom because when you shoot the ship at that level it doesn't have far to fall and if you die at that level you don't have far to fall saving you time. Huh. So so that's a little tip. It hasn't really made my scores any better, but uh, they've definitely not gotten worse. So that's something. Oh, that's something. Ah, so that's something. That's something. And uh, have I been playing really anything else lately? Not that I can think of. I've been um, loading up my Mateo's cart with uh, different things. And um, I was saying that how I had uh, the uh, USB cable was the problem with my Mateo's cart before. Well, I went and I ordered a bunch of micro, not micro, mini USB cables off of Amazon. And I've got this Amazon Basics branded one. And these are nice. They're... um, I can't tell really tell if they're gold plated or not, but the cable is thick, and uh, they're uh, they got like some nice um, not shielding, but uh, you know like that little flexy part right where it enters the uh, the connector on the end. Yeah. So it doesn't look like it's it'll uh, it would uh, come loose or the wires would come loose or anything uh, very easily if at all. And uh, so far I'm really happy with them. Uh, they're a, that's a nice quality product. They're eh, they run about six seven bucks. And uh, since now I've got Amazon Prime, which now they offer on a monthly basis, uh, huh. I got the shipping for free. So, hey, you know, more power to you. So that's pretty much what I've been playing. I haven't gotten a chance to get to any of the arcades or anything. I might yeah, me correct that in the next couple of days. Uh, maybe head up to uh, Pixel Blast after work huh. sometime soon. But it's only like, the only reasons I don't really go there um, are because, A, money, B, you know, things going on at home, and see, Route 53 through Bolingbrook and Lyle oh, is please. a pain in the ass. And um, I got to find a different way to get there, and I think I know of one. I just got to check it out, make sure to see if it's... In fact, no. No, 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 no. Actually, that road would actually... Might take me about maybe a mile out of my way, but uh, the traffic would be a lot easier. You know what? Screw that bit about Route 53 and the ass with a chainsaw. I think I found a better way to go. So, uh, there's one reason. So, well, no, not quite yet, but soon. Soon. So, so yeah, but, um, so yeah, so I'm going to head over there sometime in the near future. And, uh, as I say, that's a fine little arcade. Not, not big, but, uh, they do have a nice mix of games. So, uh, it's worth going to. It is a good anyway. mix. I, I was I was impressed. Yeah, they, and, and I like how it's uh, you know pretty much Underground Retrocade and uh, Galloping Ghost are mostly mostly video games with a couple of pinball. Pixel Blast 
you know, for as small as they are, they have mostly video games, but they have a couple of pinball, and they have other type of games too, more mechanical type games, which I think is a nice touch. Like uh, they have uh, uh, air hockey, yeah. and then that we've talked about that air handball, and then that uh, climber one where you where you gotta get the ball up the uh, up the yeah. up the ladders and Hill stuff climber. and. Uh, Hill climber. That's and it. they have ice and cold so, beer too, don't they? That that uh, old thing. I think they do. I think they do. I have to check that out when I go there. Hmm. So I didn't. So, I, none of the times I've been there, I actually tried that one. If they have it, I'm going to give that a whirl. And damn it, I'm going to expect an ice cold beer. There you go. Not necessarily from them, but I'm going to expect one at some point. Hmm. So. Yeah, there we go. So that's pretty much everything going on. So um, are we ready to uh, take a look at what's new with the Atari box? I think so. Uh, let's go ahead and open uh, everything we know about the Atari box. So It's time for another edition of Everything We Know About the Atari Box. Well, what is it that we know about the Atari box? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Well, no, not really. Okay, so there's been some uh, updates, actually. Uh, they're planning to release it in the spring of 2018. It's going to have an AMD processor with uh, most likely built-in Radeon graphics on the chip. That was a little bit of a vague thing, but I think that's a pretty safe bet given the the size of the Atari box that we've seen so far. Sure. And uh, obviously they're going to crowdfund the production of this thing, which uh, that's a red flag right there. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, the cost. Let's talk about that for a moment, shall we? The cost. 250 to 300 bucks. Yeah. Uh, what little interest I had is really pretty much waned at this point. And um, all I'm going to say is for an in-depth discussion, uh, listen to... Uh, listen to the most recent CU podcast, Completely Useless Podcast. Hi, guys. I listened to your show. Me too. And uh, the Retro League. Yeah, they touched uh, on it a little about, bit. They touched on it a little bit too. And uh, so listen to them. They go a little bit more into detail on it. And I think the CU podcast actually really kind of echoed my sentiments about the whole thing. Um uh, so, uh, yeah. Um, so if you're interested in the Atari Chameleon, I mean the Atari box. <laughs> so I think we should close the uh, the door here on the Atari box. So, yeah, I guess so. I guess this has been another edition of everything we know about the Atari box. And there we go. So um, I do want to say bring one thing up here, a little bit of news. I've heard about this a while back, but it, it's definitely coming out now. And um you know, all of these emulation boxes that are coming out with, like, you know, you got the Atari box thing, and then you got the At Games uh, Sega flashbacks, Atari flashbacks, then you've got the SNES Classic Mini, which um, is a lot easier to get than the NES Mini, from what I've understood, but it's still kind of hard to get, but still a lot easier. Uh, however, here's one that I actually am interested in, and oh. it's um, the C64 Mini. It's a fully licensed... Uh, plug-and-play Commodore 64. Uh, it's going to come packed with uh, 64 licensed games. Uh, there's some not a whole lot of titles that I'm familiar with, but uh, it's going to have like uh, Speedball 2 and California Games, and uh, I, I saw Pit Stop 2 as one of the titles, and uh, Nebulous, I believe, was on there. And uh, a lot of games I haven't heard of, but uh, all licensed games, no filler. 
And if you hook a keyboard up to it, uh, you can actually uh, use the uh, Commodore 64 basic programming language on it. Ooh. And from what I've understood and from what information I've gathered into searching on this thing on the internet, that uh, you can actually save your programs to a flash drive. That's awesome. And one thing I wasn't able to gather, though, is uh, is it going to be compatible with any Commodore 64 peripherals? Probably not, because it looks like the only ports that, that are going to be on it are... Uh, are the HDMI, obviously, and a couple of um, USB ports, but that's about it. Yeah, that was the only thing that kind of turned me off. It's like, because I would, I had a Commodore 64C for a while. I loved that mm-hmm. thing. And I, I got it in 1988 when it was kind of already not really current, but I still thought it was a great machine, and I kind of wish I had it again. And I, I looked at this as a possibility, but I don't know. I, for my purposes, I think I'd rather have a, an actual Commodore 64 or a 128 mm-hmm. even. Well, the thing is, you were a Commodore 64 user. Um, I've never owned one, and I, I've well, yeah, very rarely for, for seen one. People in your case, it's probably a great little device. And here's the, oh, and here's the kicker. Um, and I did not, did not tell you how much this is going to launch for. Remember, we just talked about um, Atari Box uh, a moment ago for 250 to 350 bucks. Well, the C64 Mini is going to hit the shops in early 2018 with a suggested retail price of $69.99. That, and that's not a bad it, price, I don't think. And it's going to come with a controller. Uh-huh. Um, and you can always add your own USB controller to it if you would like. Sure. Now, the thing, is, the, the thing does look like a C64 with keys and all, and, uh, but the keyboard actually on it doesn't work. You have to supply your own USB keyboard, but everybody's got one or two of those lying around the house. So not a big I deal. I lying around. I am actually looking very forward to this thing. I hope they deliver because I want this. I definitely want this. So, yeah, there's that. That's, uh, is that all I had in news? Was there something else that I had? I don't remember. Burp. Oh wow! Burp along with Jim tonight. Wow, that's that's different. Mm. It's, usually, I'm the one that suddenly burps. So, um, oh, we do. There are there oh, is some other. Go ahead. One uh, I did forget to uh, to say one thing about the Atari box. Um, it's going to run Linux. Whoopee! So everything runs Ooh. Linux these days. Well, yeah. So yeah, you want a two hundred and fifty dollar Linux box? Uh, you can you can probably go to a Goodwill store and get one for like ten bucks. So. Yeah, no kidding. Just get a just get a so, use PC and put Linux on it. Do we have any more news at all? Um, yeah, we do. Uh, OldSchoolGamer.com magazine. Oh, do tell. All right. Well, honestly, right now that's kind of all I know about them. Right now, um, we actually talked to uh, Ryan over at uh, OldSchoolGamer.com magazine. He's looking to get uh a actual print magazine off the ground focusing, I think primarily on arcade games, but there will be uh, columns and other writings and stuff about home stuff as well. The way I understand it, it was, uh, it was the whole spectrum of retro gaming. Yeah. Arcade home and everything. Uh, He was talking to us about, uh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say right now, but uh, there might be some pie factory involvement. Ooh, do I'll tell. Oh, you're, sitting right, you're not going to tell. Never yeah, mind. that's all I'm going to say right now. Yeah. It depends on if, you know, either one of us can remember to write stuff. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, um, you can go to oldschoolgamermagazine.com and get your free digital subscription and your first issue in print for free as well. I already did that and I can't wait to get it. And um, 
you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, he's very enthusiastic about that, Ryan is. And, uh, and when he first contacted us, I did a little digging and saw who's on the, who's on the board and who's, you know, writing for him and all that. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some good names behind this uh, in an adv- in an advice role and in a uh, writing role. Uh, let's just say that Doc Mack is uh, one of the advisors. Okay, Doc that... Mack is one of the advisors. There now, what else <laughs> should I say? And uh, Leonard Herman, uh, author of Phoenix: The Rise and F- The Rise and Falls of Video Games, uh, is also uh, involved with it, uh, as well as other names that I've heard of, uh, which I can't think of off the top of my head. But um, so yeah, so uh, this is a this is a very what legit. Would it thing. only be better is if Billy Mitchell and Walter Day were involved. Oh mm-hmm. right, they are on the board of directors. Oh, there you go. So this is a legit thing. We were a little skeptical at first, but we did some digging, and uh, you know, me being the the skeptic that I am, I see stuff like that, and I'm like, I got to look into this first. And I was pleasantly surprised with uh, what I saw. I'm going to admit the only reason I didn't respond right away is because I was just effing lazy. I just, I was just like, yeah, look at this well, later. Yeah, be fair. I mean, I'm lazy I too. Mean, I mean, so. I, I, you just got me on a bad day. I just was not ready to like look at anything. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, I mean, me too. But so this looks like a, the real deal. And check out their website. They got some articles and stuff up, and um, and uh, get your free copy at the magazine too. So there you go. But I feel really like bad a, because. He t- he talked about how he saw us at how he talked to us at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic, and the thing is, we talked to a lot of people at Midwest Gaming Classic, and I really mm-hmm. hardly remember whom I talked to, and I feel terrible yeah, about it. I know, I know, because I'm I'm bad with names, and I'm especially bad with faces. Let me just <laughs> say this. Let me just say this as advice to anybody at Midwest Gaming Classic, and if you've got a business or a or or something that you would like to promote or get the word out, or and you want to talk to people about it carry business cards yeah yeah absolutely well we do the same thing i keep a little stack of pie factory podcast business cards in my car and if i happen to find myself in an arcade somewhere like uh, oh i don't know say like in mclean illinois uh, i'll just leave uh, business cards all over the place I, I wonder feel if anybody in McLean, Illinois found the business cards and uh, started listening to the podcast. Uh, if you're down there in McLean, Illinois and running the uh, the arcade in there in Atlanta, Illinois, uh, let us know if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's rare when, rare when I get uh, get an opportunity to get down there. But uh, at, at Underground Retrocade, know, okay, they only have they have literally one business card from really? Pie Factory Podcast because I, I we have to correct yeah that. we do and the thing is like I knew about it and uh, last time I went Duke wanted to go along with me I was like okay I'll pick you up on the way he lives a couple of miles away and it's on the way so I picked him up and before I got to his place I pulled over and texted him I said dude if you have any Pie Factory because he took a stack of them too if you have any Pie Factory Podcast business cars bring them because I forgot to bring a stack and Scott's out of them and he couldn't find them so it keeps like, them ah, in your car. That's yeah, what I've been doing. Yeah, that's that's what of course, I should that do. I keep forgetting to, to put them out, but you know, keep some in your car. Yeah. If you're at a convention and you have a biz, like I said, business or whatever, bring business cards. Makes it easy for people with horrible memories like me to remember you. Oh, speaking of Duke, uh, Duke Dang, a friend, longtime friend of the podcast, and uh, I believe he won a tournament at Chicago Street Pinball Arcade down in Joliet. Yeah, he did. Um, See, he once again, sort of we're, we were so timely here at Pie Factory Podcast. Oh, yeah, of course we are. Timely or homely? Well, hmm. 
Our pictures are available at piefactorypodcast.com, so it's up to you, the listener. <laughs> Why choose? <laughs> so what What was it he won? A tournament. I don't... It was like a, a Star Wars, Star Trek kind of thing going on. I don't... Yeah. If only there was some magical way I could find out what that was. Like, if there was, like, some kind of, like, magic thing I could, like, put in some terminology and uh, and like, see if maybe I could... I've got this idea of this, of this website. It would be um, a book of faces hmm. where people could put their faces on there, and then you could search to see if their faces were at different locations. But huh. I, I wouldn't really know how to go about it. Oh, well. It was the Battle of the Stars tournament. Ah, yes, there it is. Featured posts yesterday at 12.45. It says, congrats to Duke Dang for winning the Battle of the Stars tournament. Duke took Metra from Chicago to downtown Joliet on Saturday afternoon and then made the three-block journey on his bike to the arcade. I, I laughed at the the, the three-block journey uh, to the arcade on yeah. his bike because you could walk that easily. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm guessing, though, he rode his bicycle to the train station in Chicago. Well, you... Well, he didn't. He probably brought his bike with him on the train. But I'm saying he probably rode his bike from his house oh, yeah. to the train yeah, station. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He probably then brought the train on the yeah. the train. Brought the train on the bike. Bike on the train, and then he had it in Juliet. So might as well use it. Yeah, why not? I always but, think you know about what? doing I'm that sometime when I go to Underground Retrocade. Like just bike over to a metro station and just take it to Elgin and just you know. But. I know. Yeah, I'd let screw me know it if up. you ever bring your bicycle out toward the Underground Retrocade. I want to show you that um, the Raceway Woods uh, bike trail out there. It's really neat. Yeah. Next time I'm there, I, next time I'm out there early in the like, I plan to be there in the morning. I'm going to do that. Like next time I'm going to be there is October 14th, but I'm not going to be there until the afternoon. Yeah. Same here. Because if you're going to a party, you don't want to get all like sweaty or anything. So. Well, yeah. That. Well, the, I guess depending on the party. Oh. Well, that and I have to uh, have uh, brunch with my niece because it was her birthday like two weeks ago. So, Oh, that's awesome. Well, happy uh, birthday. Yeah. Which uh, also reminds me, there's another birthday. There's always a birthday. Happy birthday to Sean. Courtney. You're late, but th- yeah, thanks, well, I we're guess. We're recording this the day after your birthday because oh, okay. my gift to you was not recording the podcast on your birthday. Well, actually, you requested it, so... Yeah. There you go. There we go. Awesome. Um, and as a gift to myself, I'm taking Friday off and just doing whatever the hell I that. please. Yeah, there you go. I've been th- I was actually thinking about taking a day off this week. i got so many days to take off. So I think, is that all the news we have now? I do believe so. And I do know we got some addenda and errata, so should we open that door? All right, uh, Scattered Frog, play us in. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say just Scattered Frog because there are other people on that besides Scattered Frog. Um, little trivia for there. In the uh, love theme from Adenda and Arata, not only is it Scattered Frog performing, who's our house band, but it's also Sean and Victor from um, Ten Pence Arcade podcast and Andy Ryerson from uh, Super Podcast Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. So when, since know. when did that happen? We had, It was uh, kind of like one of those We Are the World kind of supergroup recordings we had. I did not know that they were on that because I was given sole credit. Well, you didn't perform it. You just wrote it. Ah, that's true. Scattered Frog is the performer. Didn't Mel Bihohe have something to do with it, too? I thought he played Triangle, but his stuff got... We're we're uh, both on it, too. We're both on it, too. Well, I know I'm on it. Yeah. So, uh, I had some addenda in errata. 
And of course, I navigated away from the page accidentally, so it's taking me a moment to get there. Ah, here we are. Uh, we got a message from Gary James Harris. Hi, Gary. And Hi, I Gary. believe he was one of the signers of my uh, birthday yes, card. Yes, he was. Yes, mistaken. he was. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Gary. Um, and he responded, um, I cannot believe you mentioned the systems both games in reference to OutRun and um, Space Harrier came out on and forgot about the beloved PC engine, uh, TurboGrafx-16 America. How very dare you, being that they were probably the best of the home parts, you two should wear your Grundies, not Grundy County, but your underpants, on your heads next episode. Well, you really don't want to see that. And yes, um, Space Harrier was on the TurboGrafx-16 in the United States. Uh, I have found no evidence of OutRun actually being on the TurboGrafx-16 in the U.S. So you can add Space Harrier. And you know what? Even though I talked about it in the episode uh, about uh, playing the NES version of Space Harrier, well, no, though I didn't mention it, though, because that was not available in the U.S. That was only available in Japan, so it wasn't uh-huh. available. Space Harrier was not available on the NES in uh, the U.S. But it's still uh, still worth tracking down. I kind of liked that version of it, but... Um, uh, a, a kind of a correction from Art uh, Guglia- Guglielmo. Gu- Gu- Art, I, I'm guessing it's Guglielmo because I think I think Guglielmo. in Italian that words sounds, GL that sounds is better. Like, kind of like a smoothie thing, like Guglielmo. Guglielmo. Okay. Um, and he said Turbo actually, the arcade game Turbo actually had a very rudimentary, rudimentary, rudimentary way of simulating hills. Words are it was probably hard. The first driving game, first driving game to do so. And I was thinking about it, and yeah, he is correct. Uh, we haven't talked about Turbo yet. We, uh, we've we definitely got that on our schedule, but that's going to probably be a while before we talk about it. But uh, yes, Turbo actually, thinking about it, is the first game that I can think of, the first third-person perspective uh, driving game that actually has hills in it. A good call, Art. It, it kind of looks like the road is kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's like bigger at the bottom, but then it like goes in straight across and then it continues up its you know into the into the distance so it kind of like has like a straight line across and you can see like the cars disappearing behind the hill and then up over the top uh especially with uh, an ambulance in the game but again we'll talk about that more in the yeah. uh, when we talk about turbo yeah honestly the few times totally i forgot played, about that the, the few times i played turbo i never made it far enough to even see that so i i gotta play more of that though it's i i have i i, I honestly haven't I don't know if I've actually gotten that far in it, but I do remember seeing that actually in the uh, con- uh, commercial for the ColecoVision version of Turbo, which I believe still had, which still had the hill, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, there is that. So yes, uh, thank you, Art. You are correct, Thanks, Art, Art. Guglielmo. Guglielmo. Uh, I believe that is all the addenda. Uh, there, there's there's an I addendum have, that we forgot. But well, that's all that I have written. Down. That's all that you have. Written what do you down? have? I have, yes. uh, what do you have when we were discussing um, biscuits before. Oh, do tell. We received a tweet from one uh, Victor Marlin. Not two Victor. No, Marlin. just just one, I think. Okay. Who I believe is somewhere in this country right now visiting. I think he uh, I was I thought in... I just read yesterday that he uh, he got back. Oh, okay. Well, well then we're going to get back at him then. So, uh let's see. He says the old French word besqui, I guess that's how it's pronounced. B-E-S-C-U-I-T is derived from the Latin words bis, meaning twice, and coquere, or coctus, meaning to cook or cooked, and hence means twice cooked. This is because biscuits were originally cooked in a twofold process, first baked 
and then dried out in a slow oven. And that's from the Wikipedia. So thank you for that uh, education there, uh, Sir Marland. Now, actually, after hearing that, I kind of want to find a traditional British biscuit recipe. Hmm. And try that it out. That might be something. Yeah, well, I, still be have a, I, I still have a box of... I still don't of, know why uh, they call them digestive biscuits, though. I still have a box of these uh, Happy Hippo biscuits uh, that come from Germany. Those are awesome. Oh, highly Happy recommend Hippo. those things. Hmm. I like those tins of uh, the Danish cookies that you can get from uh, Oh, those dry-ass uh, things? Aldi. Good oh, I love grief. them. Oh, but the best cookie. The best You're talking cookie. about the tins that you think are going to be cookies, but it's really sewing supplies? Yeah, those. Uh, every now and then they have cookies in them. It's it's rare. It's, it's, like, it's a, like a crap And shoot. of course you think that that box of Dutch Masters is going to contain cigars, but no, you open it up, it's like painting supplies, like little like little watercolor brushes and <laughs> Actually, stuff. Actually, no kidding, there, there was a garage sale down the street the other day, and I um, uh, they had a, a couple of nice little wooden... Uh, uh, cigar boxes, and I bought one to potentially mount my uh, raspberry pie inside. <laughs> uh, they're they're really nice. It's like, why would you throw something like that away? It's like really nice. But um, there was something else I was going to say. Uh, Victor Marland cookies, blah 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 blah. Oh yes, um, if you ever come to Chicago, uh, I think you could still get them. Uh, there was a cookie. There's a cookie company called Maurice Lanell. Ah, I think they. Well, the factory is gone. Yeah, but you still get the cookies. They have really? two. They they have the typical butter type cookies, but they have two cookies that are just amazingly delicious. They have uh, there's one. It, it looks like the yin and the yang symbol. Uh, one side is chocolate, one side is vanilla, and it's got like a pink sugar I, I around the outside. Yeah. Those are so good. But my favorite are the jelly stars. They, I never they, the cookies. I'm... I never look liked like vanilla uh, cookies. I got to be honest. Oh, I loved them because they're oh, the so jelly freaking stars dry. Like to die. Well, that's why you have milk and cookies. The jelly stars are awesome. It's a, it's a little star. It's shaped like a little star, and it has a drop of, like, cherry, strawberry, jelly, or something in the middle. It's really awesome, and those uh, are my favorites. You know, I have two so. things to say, and uh, one of them is going to not bring it on topic. The other is going to bring it on topic. Number okay. one, I got to find a recording of the Maurice Linnell jingle as performed by Wynn Strachey that used to be on the com- on the radio all the time. I cannot okay. find a copy of that. And I remember uh, the commercials on. Yeah. Uh, I remember the commercials on Bozo Circus. Huh. I don't remember them being commercials on there, but oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, I remember WGN AM used to used to run those commercials all the time, and it's, an old folk singer from Chicago would be singing singing this little jingle about it. And, but uh, the other thing, you know, where the Linnell factory was? Oh gosh, I I, I think I drove by it. It was uh, it's in one of the western suburbs, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was like either Norwich or Harwood Heights, right across. Well, practically across the street from Video Games Then and Now, Sean Kelly's store. Oh, oh, it was right there. Wow, that was Addenda and Arata and Cookies. Do we have any more Addenda and Arata? Ah, uh, let's see. You want me to make one? Only if you wipe when you're done. Okay, all right. Well, um, Pac-Man was released in 1984. Oh no! Um, here's an here's a, here's an errata. That's 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 an erratum. Uh, no, it was not released in 1984. There. So okay, I'm done. Next time you do that, talk about a game we haven't talked about yet that people could actually call us out on our BS on. Just a little hint. Just a little tiny hint. Okay. All right. So I think we should probably get going and talk about a couple of games. Probably. And, um, yeah, and honestly, don't think we're going to have a whole lot to say tonight. I think this Aww. episode's going to go by really quick. And uh, there, I'm just warning you. Uh, normally, we when 
the the person who's hosting uh, actually goes second with his game. But I'm going to change that up tonight, and I am actually going to talk about the game I'm going to talk about first. Ooh, okay. You're not going to talk yeah. about the game I'm going to talk about? No, no. I'm going to let you oh. talk about that one and let you talk about it second. Dang. Yeah, so the first game we're going to talk about tonight is Lock and Chase. Ah, um, and, and you know what? I think we've we've done uh, we've done yay we've done yes. I think I'm gonna try something different. Um, <clears throat> hmm. Lock and Chase. Uh, hmm. Lock and Lock Chase and is uh, a game from, uh, created by Data East in ni- and it was released in 1981. Uh, it was licensed also to Taito in 1981 as well. It was released in two different types of cabinets. One was a dedicated standalone cabinet. It was really dedicated, just standalone like that. And also in the Data East uh, Deco system, which I believe we did talk about in the Burger Time episode, which was... Yes. Uh, what episode was that, that one? was a long time ago episode. Uh, I know it's on here. Oh, there it is. It is episode six. So if you want more information about the... Deco system. The Deco system, yes. Uh, go back to episode six of Pie Factory Podcast. Episode six. In short, they sent out an audio cassette with the game and a new marquee, and uh, you could slap that crap on and have a new game. Boom. Done. So um, there's a couple other Deco games that, man, I don't know if we should talk about them because I've really never seen them. But uh, All right. So at any rate, continuing... Um, in the game, you control a thief trying to steal the gold in a maze. Uh, also trying to steal money bags and some bonus items while being chased by four cops. To walk around the maze, you have a four-way joystick and you have a button which you can use to open doors. Or, I'm sorry, not open doors, closed doors. And uh, there are tunnels on the sides. Um, there's a tunnel at the top and the bottom. After you've picked up all the gold, you have to exit through one of the tunnels at the top or the bottom. Uh, the tunnels on the left and right warp you from side to side. There are no power-ups in the game. And, um, yeah, no power-ups. Uh, I guess you could consider... I mean, the doors are your weapons, unlike in uh, Revolution X, in which music was your weapon, and this one, the doors are your weapon. So, uh, yeah, you can uh, shut the doors and trap enemies. But, uh, yeah, uh, the enemies. Uh, f- first of all, there is a name for uh, for the, all of the, the four enemies. The enemies are actually the good guys. How paradoxical is that? They're trying to prevent you from stealing. But the uh, the, the four cops... Potatoes, you had that yesterday. No, no, not the four tops. The four cops are known uh, as Super D. That's Super D. Of course, not only are they known in a collective sense, but uh, the cops also have their own names. Scaredy, Smarty, (laughs) Silly, and Stiffy. I can't believe a game would actually name one of the, the one of the characters in it, Smarty. That just threw me for a loop. How could I mean that's that's kind of insulting, you know? Yeah, Smarty. I'm going to write my congressman like they listen. Uh, yeah, so you're scoring uh, gold dots. Uh, the gold, which is just a dot, uh, is worth 20 points. The money bags, which are a bonus item which appear in the middle of the screen, are worth 500, 1,000, 2,000, and up to 4,000 points. Uh, it's like the first one appears, you get it 500. The second one appears, you get it 1,000, and so on. And then there's a bunch of miscellaneous bonus items which will appear just in the passage south of the middle of the maze. That is a hat, which is worth 200 points, crown, which is worth 300, a suitcase, which which is worth 500, telephone, which is worth 100, 
Wait a minute. Telephone was just worth 100. Two, three, five, one. This is the, not the first time we've uh, talked about a game which had a weird progression of points. Uh, a watch, which is worth 800. A camera, which is worth 1,000. Sunglasses, which is worth 2,000. Flashlight, which is worth 400. A key, which is worth 3,000. And a heart, which is worth 5,000. Now, you can trap one of the members of Squad D, scaredy, smarty, stiffy, or silly, smarty, <laughs> in a corner uh, of the maze by uh, closing the doors around him. And if you trap one cop, you get 100 points. Trap two cops, you get 300 points. Trap three cops, you get 1,000 points. And you trap four cops, you get 2,000 points. Uh, I did neglect to mention that uh, you can only uh, put out two doors at a time. Uh, They will disappear after a while. And uh, you can put them in the maze only in certain areas. It's it's really kind of obvious because there's like black lines going through the maze. And you can see, you know, places where you can open and close doors. Um, As far as ports go... The only ones I've been able to find uh, in the United States that were not part of a collection of games like later on in the life of the game are, first of all, there's the Intellivision version. Uh, I believe the story goes, if I'm hearing it correctly, that when Mattel licensed Burger Time from Data East, Data East also wanted them to pick up Lock and Chase, and so they got Lock and Chase as well. And Intellivision did also port lock and chase to the Atari 2600 on their M network label gamed labeled games for the 2600 uh, later on after Mattel got out of the video game market telegames picked up the license and they released it for the 2600 one interesting thing with the 2600 version is that because of the way the Atari 2600 works there are no vertical doors in the 2600 huh. version of Lock and Chase. I've never played the, the 2600 arcade. Lock and Chase, i got to tell you. Which, interesting, I actually just picked it up And I have uh, the a boxed copy in my collection, WT Frack. I actually bought it at... Um, you know I'm going to play it right now. Okay. Uh, I actually bought it at the store called Clutter in downtown Morris, which is a really awesome junk store that has like five or six arcade video games set on free play in the back. And every time I go in there, I have to play Burger Time and uh, you know buy one or two things. Uh, I actually also bought a the copy of Pole Position 2 for the 7800, which I already have, but I was saying earlier that it, I kind of screwed the card up a little bit with... Uh, Using a petroleum solvent, but uh, I don't. I think it's nothing that's really major. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, and also in the 2600 version of Lock and Chase, the cops look like the typical Mattel baseball player character yeah. uh, running around. It doesn't look anything like the uh, cops in the arcade game, which kind of look. Blah. Wow, I have like. What full is it with you tonight. tonight? Normally, it's you that has the problem, and I don't. Oh, I can hear you playing it. See, this is what Sean does when we record. He plays video games instead of listening to me. How dare you play video games when we're recording a video game podcast? But anyway, yeah, the cops look like a Mattel oh, baseball oh, player go, character. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just kind of yeah. lost track for a second. And the uh, in the uh, in the arcade version, the uh, the cops kind of look. Uh, all the characters look short and squat. Um, so, Sean, uh, where's the first time you pl- ever played the arcade version of this? Kroger. Where? Kroger in Bourbonnais, Illinois, back when Lock and Chase was brand new. And uh, I kept thinking, man, this is going to be the closest I'll ever be able to play Pac-Man here. Let's call it what it is. It's a Pac-Man ripoff. It is. And by the way, I, I am liking the 2600 version of it. It's actually more enjoyable than the arcade version, if you ask me. It is pretty solid. <clears throat> uh, it's a pretty I, I solid like port that, of the game. I do like that the character looks like a walking pie symbol 
like the Greek, the Greek letter pi, you know. And I, the thing I love most about it is there is no flicker in the game. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you got to use your imagination on the uh, the bonus items, but uh, they they really knocked it out of the park, and they made a version of the game that's more fun than the arcade game. The bonus we'll items are multi layered cake. It's very obvious. You don't need to use your imagination. Oh, wow. I thought they were uh, video wafers and video vitamins. Huh, I don't so, know. But, so, yeah, well, you know what? I have never actually seen this game in the arcade. Really? Well, neither have I. I only saw it at a grocery store. Well, I've, I've actually never see, actually seen a cabinet of this game. Uh, yeah, it's not very common, even Galloping Ghosts. I think the only place that has it actually is Fun Spot. I might be wrong about that. It I'm might just... be. But, yeah, I never saw it way back when. I have played it in MAME over the years. I didn't really seriously start playing it until the last couple of years because, well, because we were we we're going to talk about it and um, you know, we we do both have some experience with it, but it's um, yeah, kind of weird. But but hey, you know what? I did mention uh, the names of the cops in the game. Uh, you know, the squad Super D and then Scaredy Smarty. <laughs> Gosh, that still gets right, me. Seriously, the- can you just watch it on the Smarty already? Okay, Stiffy and Silly. Uh, and the names of the cops, but um, doing a little digging in the game, um, the thief in the game is named Lupin. Now, how is that significant? Well, I will tell you. He's named Lupin after a Japanese anime character, Lupin the uh, Third. And there were a couple of Lupin arcade games. There was one called Lupin Three by Taito in 1981. Huh. Interesting because this was also Taito also had this. Yeah, out, uh, licensed this in 1981. And if I'm, I've I remember playing Lupin the Third in Mame a little bit. Uh, I don't remember much about it. I do remember it not being. I do know it's not the same game. Um, but uh, that was uh, I thought interesting. Um, a couple of other games. There was Lupin the Third Shooting Range. That was by Sega in two thousand one. Don't know if that was ever released in the U.S. And Stern Electronics Laserdisc game Cliffhanger. Uh, which was released in 1983, actually is a Lupin the Third game. Really? And it uses clips uh, from two Lupin the Third movies, uh, The Castle of Cagliostro and The Mystery of Mamo, The Hands of Fate. No, I'm sorry, just The Mystery of Mamo. And uh, so I thought that was uh, interesting. Um, don't really have any hints for this other than don't play it. And uh, Why not? Yeah. Well, before we go into that, why don't we talk about scores? Uh, okay. Um, hey, that's my line. Oh, you got that okay. going for you. So, uh, let's see. The um, world record holder, uh, last I checked, was Patrick Scott Patterson, and his claim to fame is that I beat out his Turbo Junior Pac-Man world record. Uh-oh. Well, the thing is, like, I think something that Patrick Scott Patterson did a lot of, uh, if this is the same guy I'm thinking of, he played a lot of games that didn't have any scores on Twin Galaxies. Mm just to encourage competition. So I think that's gotcha. why he... Well, you but, know what? He doesn't have to worry about his uh, his lock and chase score. No, he doesn't. I mean, time. seriously, I mean, this... that I don't think this is one that he did just so he could put a score up. Because he he, he does have the highest score of, like, a butt-ton of people. Uh, not a metric one, don't ask. Just a... No. The Imperial. Imperial, huh? yes. Yeah. But uh, June 4th, 2010 is when Twin Galaxies verified the score, and it was 89,580. That's an achievement for this game. It, it really is. You think that's not a, a, a high score, and you're right. It's not. But, man, this 
Well, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that for now. Yeah. But uh, the other uh, major uh, record-keeping site, Orcade.com, agrees with Twin Galaxies, except they have it as being performed on June 5th, which means it was verified before it even happened by Twin Galaxies, if uh, Orcade is accurate. Somehow I don't think it is. but um, And apparently that happened at Funspot during Funspot 12. And uh, I... I might have gotten like 8,000 at some point, but I don't, I really don't know. Thing is, all right, let's, again, let's call it what it is. It is a Pac-Man knockoff. It really is. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, and to be perfectly honest, I don't hate the graphics or the, uh, or the sound in this game for what they are. They're, they're, they're quite sufficient. Oh, and yeah. the way that the, the dot, the, the dots, the gold, are placed in the maze. Actually, if you uh, if you start playing around, it actually makes kind of a neat little uh, little musical pattern. If you munch oh, yeah. them, I thought. Yeah. So n- not knocking that. I mean, it is a cutesy looking game. However, you can have a good looking game, but if the gameplay sucks, no one's going to want to play it over and over again. Dragon's Lair. Yeah, no kidding. And I was actually thinking about Dragon's Lair today because I saw um, <laughs> tangent. Uh, Good old games, uh, GOG.com actually has uh, right now RPG Maker. No, 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 not uh, not GOG. It was uh, Humble Bundle. One of those, uh, you know, whatever you can afford, you get all these games. But at any rate, they got RPG Maker. And a podcast I was listening to was talking about uh, point and click adventure games. And I'm like thinking Dragon's Lair would actually work well as a point and click uh, LucasArts style adventure hmm. game, I think. I can, can kind of uh, see that. Especially, uh, you know, if you did hand-drawn, drawed, hand-drawn graphics, I think would be a lot better with that because there's not that, there's not as much freedom in a game like that with the, as far as the movement of graphics as there are, you know, say in a full, full-fledged action game. But you know, tangent. But um, here's, it, it, from what we've said, at least in my case, it's obvious I much prefer the Atari Twenty Six Hundred version of this game over the arcade game. I haven't gotten a chance to play the Intellivision version. I was going to, but I just have not been able to get around to it. But the graphics and the sound are, are fine for this kind of game. In fact, I think it's for what it is, it's actually quite a quite a colorful, attractive-looking game. It is, granted. But it's the gameplay that just I hate. It just feels... The, jo- the, the control feels sluggish. The doors are a poor replacement for a power-up like a power pill or something. And... Um, Personally, I think the gameplay is just slow. Well, there is that, too. Maybe it speeds up later, but there's nothing there that made me want to play it any further. Because, than, you yeah, know, the like, times that I played it. I'd, get, I'd clear a couple of mazes, and then I'd lose all my lives, and I'd be like, I don't want to start over again with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess maybe you could putz around with the, uh, with the difficulty settings and the dip switches and see what happens. But... Most arcades are going to have the stuff at the default setting, whatever that's set to, you know. And I, this is not a game I see myself ever going back to. In fact, here's going to be a shocker. I actually see myself playing Mortal Kombat before I play this again. <gasps> yes, seriously, I do. In fact, playing this game actually makes me almost want to up my up Mortal Kombat by one. <laughs> But at least you don't have the butthole factor in um Yeah, that's true. That's true, you don't. But at least with Mortal Kombat, if you're playing one player and somebody doesn't bust in on you, I could see coming going back to it. This I mean obviously they're two totally different style games, but but I'm just saying in general, I this uh, this game is boring. I mean let's just put it just to say it what it is. It's boring. 
there's no action. There's no excitement here. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not a good player, which which is redundant. But it's just not. It's 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 not my thing. If you like it, you know, good on you. I don't like it. I, it's it's a dull game, boring game, slow game. I might watch somebody play it for a few minutes because, as I said, it's a it's a it's a really nice game to look at. But that's about it. Yeah, it's just a it is a slow, boring, moving game. There is one little extra step though that I kind of like because it has oh. a challenge. Like what happens when you clear the maze? When you pick up all the go- all the coins, all the gold, whatever. You have to move to what, the exit at the top or bottom of yeah. the screen. Yeah, it's like you, you're not done then. I mean, you have to either lose a life and uh, start a new one or exit. Like cuz that even if you if you lose your life and you get another life, then you actually it actually counts as clearing the maze and you move on to the next one. So you got that huh. going for you. Hey now, is this all switcheroo day? So, yes. So are you done? I was actually excited about the prospect of talking about it because I hadn't seen it in so long. I hadn't seen it since Kroger in the early 80s. And that Kroger actually no longer exists. It was converted into another business and it actually reopened down the street from where it used to be. Actually, not down the street, on the adjacent lot, just facing a different street. Hmm. Oh, that's true, yeah. But, um, and then I played it. I was like, wait a minute, this, this is something that I begged my dad for a quarter for? It was kind of disappointing, and yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, uh, rate the game as it is now. Um, I was ready mm-hmm. to rate it three because it's, it, but the thing is, the truth is, the reason I was going to rate it a three is simply because it's a game you don't really see all that much, and it's an interesting concept. Notice I said concept, not necessarily gameplay, but let's get real. It's a two at best from, it's a two continues at best from uh, Day Late Sean. And you know what? Jimmy G is going to rate it a one. Uh, I don't care if I ever play this game again. I, I just don't like it. It's, I don't know. It's I probably will at some point because, you know, I'm a sucker for punishment. But yeah, I, I, I'm probably not ever going to play this one again. So. I'm pretty much done with this game. Pretty much, huh? So I think probably we should move on, you know? All right, let's move on. So, Sean. Uh? Tell me all about Thief. Well, I'll tell you all I learned about Thief. Car 69, uh, Roger. Please do. It is a video game. It is a arcade video game, and it was released in December of 1981 by Pacific Novelty Manufacturing Incorporated. Is this the first game we've ever talked about by Pacific Novelty? Yeah. Quite possibly no. the last, because they weren't around for long. <laughs> they have a couple of games, but I'm, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, and they're based out of Marina del Rey, California, in L.A. County, I believe. Are or were? Were. Were. Oh, okay. And we'll, get to, we'll get to that a little bit later, too. And no. uh, Pacific Novelty itself, we'll talk a little bit about them. There's not much that I could find out about Pacific Novelty, but they were founded in 1980, and one of the co-founders was Bernie Stolar, or Stoller, I don't know how his name's pronounced, but does that name sound familiar to you? Hmm... What was it? The name again? Bernie Stolar, S T O L A R. Oh, that gosh. Ring a bell for some people. I had never heard of him until I did research these episodes. So Continue. Uh, it sounds kind yeah. of familiar. Yeah, he later on worked for Sega, and he specifically worked on the Dreamcast. Ah, okay. And uh, a lot of people either blame him or that he was fired from Sega for the downfall of the Dreamcast. It was either his fault or the people who fired him. 
but uh, he also became an executive vice president at Sony working on the PlayStation. So uh, he's been uh, kind of busy with uh, uh, video gaming for quite a while. But uh, what was interesting is that uh, Pacific Novelty was eventually sold to Atari for stock shares. Really? Yep. Well, now that's uh, interesting. Yeah, and Bernie Stoller said, and I quote, We thought we were geniuses because we sold the company for stock. Then Atari imploded and was shut down. So I was like, what? And then dig this. He started Armatron, which was a maker of circuit boards, and he sold that company to the Tremels. Armatron, they all they made the the digital wristwatches, didn't they? they? I don't know if it's it might be the same company. But yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah, I guess I should have researched that a little bit better. But uh but yeah, and so he so Armatron was sold to the Tremels, which meant that basically another one of his startups ended up being sold to Atari. This time he got cash for it. And he actually ended up working at Atari. So uh, that was just kind of interesting. And, that uh, is interesting. Here's and, uh, the other games that uh, Pacific Novelty did. There was Deep Death in 1980, which was renamed Shark Attack in 1981. There was NATO Defense in 1982. And also in 1982 was Mr. F. Lee. No, 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 no. The Amazing Adventures of Mr. F. Lee. Oh, you're just trying to make the show longer, that's all. Because you realize well, we're not going to... Whenever really... I say Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus, you have to correct me by saying exciting new Pac-Man Plus. Well, that is what it says in the Marquis. So, um, it's, What's interesting is that uh, K-Love, a killer list of video games, also lists Pop-A-Ball and Pop-A-Ball 2, which are redemption games that were released in 1988 and 1990, but that would have been after Pacific Novelty folded, though. So hmm. either it's a different company using that same name, or maybe Atari was still on Atari put them out under that name. I don't know, but uh, it would be interesting to see uh, a cabinet uh, with those with those redemption machines to see what they say. Yeah, the only picture I could find, I found a couple of pictures of the cabinet, I believe, and they were too small to tell. So interesting. I I don't know, but uh, anyway, talking about a uh, talking about the game Thief itself. First off, it. Um, it was designed by Philip Lieberman. And when you actually start up the arcade cabinet, it gives him a written by credit. You can only oh, cool. see that when you start up the machine. And um, there was an arcade flyer designed for it that was done up to look like a coming attractions movie poster. And um, on that poster, they actually listed the crew from uh, Pacific Novelty who worked on the game. And let's see, there was Brian D. Senier, or Senier, I don't know, who was listed as the executive producer. Bernie Stoller was listed as the director. Bill Cravens, uh, see, stunts performed by Bill Cravens. (laughs) Cinematography by Robert Meacher. And um, screenplay by Philip Lieberman. So... Um, I'll put a link to that flyer in the show notes. It is pretty cool. And um, what else can I say about that? Uh, well, in, in terms of the game itself, Thief is a maze kind of game. You control a light blue colored car driven by a thief, hence the name Thief. And the thief is pursued by three, four, by three or four reddish colored cars that are apparently cop cars. Uh, I say three or four because you can configure that with the dip switch settings. And what you're doing is you're driving around a maze made up of some kind of a cityscape in a way. Uh, Sometimes it's bushes. Sometimes it's just blocks or something. (laughs) You have different or different mazes going on, but you have to pick up all the money that is scattered in the maze. 
and there are four dollar signs scattered around the maze, and if you drive over a dollar sign, you temporarily have the ability to crash into the cop cars, which temporarily knocks them out of the maze. So, um, yeah, that's uh, the general gist. You go around a maze, pick stuff up, you can power up your vehicle, which can temporarily make you overcome your enemies. Hmm. Never talked about any of those kind of games before, have we? Hmm, no, not that I'm aware of. So, wow, a Pie Factory podcast first. And uh, every time you clear a maze, you are given kind of a rating based on some kind of crime. Like the first time you clear a maze, your rating is loitering. Uh, You might see a rating of joyriding. Uh, Some of the other ratings include, but aren't limited to, Grand Theft Auto, Petty Theft, Con Artist. And the highest rating you can get is Public Enemy Number 1. Neat. And the thing about Thief that really stands out, though, is the sound, as far as I'm concerned. There's not much to the sound effects. There's a coin drop sound effect. uh, There are car crash sound effects, and there are little tiny sound effects when you pick stuff up. And I think there's a little tiny little siren when you get a bonus life, which uh, I believe by default is every every 10,000 points or dollars, however you want to call it. But the main sound effects, there's a constant recording of simulated police radio announcements. Use extreme caution. The thief is a slippery sucker. And uh, it comes from a tape player that's inside the arcade cabinet. It's a self-rewinding tape player. And uh, what's interesting is arcade, whoever wrote the arcadehistory.com entry on thief said that they're actual radio announcements. Uh, I don't think so. No, those are not actual radio. Especially when they're talking like this. It's like, no, you're not. Those aren't real. No, not at all. No, they're Uh -uh. obviously scripted and not, and uh, they're not done by the best actors in the world. I should say, but they lend a comedic touch to the game, which I rather enjoyed. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I didn't feel that they got uh, the the little quips on the tape. Got, I did not feel that they got uh, tiring or uh, annoying after a while. I thought they were just fine. But granted, they're, they're just I fine. But the thing is, I can't play the game for very long. But still, oh yeah, yeah, I hear you there. They're okay, but there's one little issue I have with it is that the the police announcements have absolutely nothing to do with what's actually going on on the screen, except maybe a random coincidence now and then. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, you, if, it, it's, I mean, it's on tape, yeah. and you can. It's it's more for atmosphere than anything else. And besides, if you listen to a police radio, uh, my grandfather used to be a um, oh, what is the the term a constable uh, in Will County as well as a bailiff, and I believe he was a police officer at one time as well. But he, when he was retired, uh, he had a police scanner, and he would listen to it all the time. But just because you hear it over a police scanner, it doesn't mean that everything that's being on a police scanner is to do with one particular incident. I mean, there's a bunch of different incidents going on all over town, and, and I, I don't think that that really bugs me at all. When one of the, announcer, when one of the announcements says, calling all cars... That's basically telling me, okay, this is all about one incident. Because why are they sending the entire police force after? Because it's the same incident. Nah, it it don't bug me. But, I mean, I I try not to let it bug me. But you know how I am. I'm very particular about things. And uh, one thing that's very noticeable, though, is that the uh, fake police announcements are obviously based on Los Angeles. Because if you listen to the street names, they're all like La Brea, Doheny, Wilshire, Hollywood and Vine, Sunset. Balbo? Oh, wait a minute. No, I don't think LA. so. No. 
Yeah, I don't think Which, well, then, then again, that's to be expected because, again, uh, Pacific... California Pacific Novelty. Yeah, Marina Duh. Del Rey, which I believe is uh, Los Angeles County, perhaps even part of Los Angeles, the city. I don't know for sure, though. But um, Any unit in vicinity of Hollywood and Vine, 504 in progress. And that's all it is. I mean, it's the graphics aren't the greatest in the world. They're kind of cheap. The sound is very sparse. And from what I can tell... That is a Pacific Novelty Manufacturing Inc. trademark. Because the games that I could find, they're all like that. They're all kind of cheap. They all have the tape player going on with the uh, scripted dialogue happening. Shark Attack is particularly amusing with that, by the way. And uh, NATO Defense, by the way, is essentially the same game as Thief, except it's vertically oriented, while Thief is horizontally oriented. And um, the characters actually shoot at each other in NATO defense, but it's pretty much the same game. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say right here, I didn't care for NATO defense. Um, I, I like this game more. It's the same it's a, game. <laughs> well, I didn't like it because it was just reskinned with different audio. I'm like, yeah, so what? I mean, yeah. at least Pac-Man Plus had <laughs> major changes to the gameplay. Yeah. I mean, granted, you could shoot in the other one, but you still had to pick up the your bullets and stuff in, in NATO defense, but uh, continue, continue. On. Yeah. Continue, and continue. Uh, if you've been listening to our podcast pretty regularly, you probably remember we uh, read a uh, listener feedback who said, you guys should really read the manuals and uh, see what's in those. And man, that is so true. Uh, the Pacific novelty manuals, there, there is some subtle humor in those. Like if you, it's almost like how uh, sometimes like South, like Southwest airlines, when they do the little uh, safety demonstration, uh, a lot of times they'll, uh, inject some smart aleck remar- remarks. Uh, if we're under pressure, the max, the oxygen masks will appear, stop screaming and put, you know, and um, it's basically to make sure people are paying attention. And I think that's what's going on with the Pacific novelty manuals. They stick in like little subtle things to make sure that you're actually reading the thing. And uh, there's a, um, let's, I'll, I'm going to share some of the more amusing bits of the manual right now. There's a section called Care of the Color Monitor, and uh, one of the things it says is, all controls on the monitor have been preset at the factory. If you change any of the controls, you better know what you are doing. And um, under the coin door heading, it says, the list of things that can be done to a coin door is unbelievable. If the mech fails to accept coins after months of service, we suggest you clean it. Who is buried in Grant's tomb? The door incorporated a slam switch, which is normally open. To test the operation, kick the door and watch the game for a reset. Kick the door and watch for a game reset. The slam switch erases all credits. Sorry, Charlie. And let's see what else it says. The cabinet is shipped with levelers used to make the game level. Logical? We strongly suggest that you install them to semicolon A. Yes, they used a semicolon, not a colon. A, protect your floors from scratching, and B, to keep your players from waltzing your game across the floor. And uh, one other thing here it says under TLC, it says, treat you game, it doesn't say your game, but you game, with a lot of care, and it will make bags and bags of quarters for you. Here at the factory, we put a lot of care into the programming and building of the game to make the game a success. Keep the game working in top form, and both you and the players will be happy cookies. Well... They're talking about how they work hard to make the game a success. I was not able to gauge what kind of success Thief was, to be quite honest. I have no idea how it sold. I'm guessing it didn't sell very well. So, I I don't know. I don't know. Something else interesting in the manual is, like, it talks about how, 
the tape player is ready to go and all that. And if you need to test it for whatever reason, like if you think it's failing, put in a regular audio tape and see if it plays back. And if it does, then it means that your thief tape was screwed up and you can buy a replacement thief tape from Pacific Novelty. Uh, I wonder if anybody has any of those. That'd be interesting. But uh, it's a very fascinating game. Uh, it's got several different maze layouts, uh, make things a little bit interesting, change things up a little. And uh, what more can I say? I mean, is there really more that can be said about Thief? Uh, no. No? Maybe there is, but if no. there is, I don't know what to say about it. Uh, I'm going to tell the story about how I first found out about Thief. There was one night, it was November 7th, 2015, when my wife and I were spending the night in a hotel downtown Chicago because my wife was going to be running the hot chocolate uh, 5K the next day, and she just wanted to be downtown for it so we didn't have to rush downtown really, really early. So I'm just in the hotel room with my laptop, and I'm on Facebook, and I got a note from a Facebook friend that said, and I quote, when you get a chance, there's a great Pac-Man knockoff I was playing called Thief. Check it out. So Yeah, you know what? You brought this up to me the other day. Uh, I'm the friend, by the way. And um, oh, that I was don't you? remember saying that. I think so. That's what Aww, you told me. You're my friend? In the loosest sense of the word, I guess. And I remember doing it now. Uh, I remember sending that. I was playing it in MAME. I was just going through and just playing random games and played it. And uh, I have to say, I rather enjoyed it. So it's one of these games that I enjoy at first, but then I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of bored with it now. But I got to tell you my first impressions of Thief, though, I put on my headphones so I could hear the sound and everything. And it kind of creeps me out because I don't know this like this is just a game you don't want to play alone in the dark because you're going to hear almost nothing but random voices saying this. There's just something creepy about it. Wait, you I mean, don't want to play alone it, in the dark? Knock yourself out, kid. Okay. But, uh, so that's how I first knew about wow. it. I first saw Thief at Galloping Ghost Arcade. It was a, it's a fairly recent, recent acquisition over there. I think they just got it in the last year. And uh, I played it there, and it, they never recorded my score on Orcade.com. Oh, no. I guess they don't love me anymore. They never loved you. Oh, now I feel a lot better. <laughs> Charlie Brown joke. Anyway. Well, anyway. So oh, and uh, gotta, don't forget to listen to uh, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, uh, hosted by uh, Bill from Atari Bytes. Oh, there you go. Um, I do have to say, uh, as far as this game goes, first of all, it's a lot better than Lock and Chase. But that I having been said, yeah. but that having been said, it does have its idiosyncrasies, I guess, if you will. First of all, it's not a, a maze. It's not a, it's not a strict maze where you can only go. You know where you where you've got like uh, like walls and you got to follow the dots. There are big, empty areas. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The big areas where you can just you know go all over you know to pick up all of the the dollars on the on the screen. Which I thought the dollars uh, was a nice touch instead of just generic dots. Mm-hmm. It was nice to actually have a physical representation of uh, of of uh, something that you're supposed to be picking up instead of just the generic dots. Now, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a, a, a great touch. And you have to be careful because sometimes the uh, you're, you're still moving in a grid even though you're, there are no walls around you in some of those locations. And you really got to watch the other, you know, the, uh, the, the, the police cars 
uh, because then they can make some goofy turns and if you're not really steady with the joystick you're making goofy turns yourself and you could it could be really easy to lose a life in those uh, in those cases I do find this game kind of repetitive I mean I guess all maze games are to a degree but I guess it's more so in some games than others I do like the fact there is more than just the one maze and some of the mazes have escape tunnels some of them don't Oh, I didn't notice that. It shows you how good I am at the game. This is a much better game, don't get me wrong, than uh, than the other maze game we talked about. But um, it's got a lot of nice touches, and I will play this one again. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not in my upper echelon of games, but it's far from the bottom. It, it, the graphics are nice. The audio is nice. Uh, the play is pretty good, with the exception of what I was saying about the big open areas. And um, I thought that the audio tape looping thing was a nice touch as well it added a little bit of atmosphere to the game which is uh something that's uh missing from a lot of games i would say true but, um, yeah i liked it uh i i kind of like this game it's 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 a decent game it's, it's decent yeah and um i might as well talk about how you score points in the game by the way uh, for every dollar bill you pick up you get 10 points for uh when you're under the influence of a dollar sign you get 100 100 points for the first cop car you hit then 500 for the next 1000 for the next and then 2000 after that and uh that's it i don't believe there are any um bonus materials in there you pick up for extra points it's just none, none that i've seen yeah you just go around the maze pick up the dollars avoid the cops and uh, there you go. That's that's it. That's the game. That's the game right there. You know there. what occurs to me? Yeah? Huh? Uh, there's no home ports of this game. That's right. Yeah. But this would be a game I would love to see ported to the 7800. And you know what? There is a uh, tutorial going on in Atari Age for 7800 Basic. Ooh. Uh, there is also a uh, Pac-Man collection construction set on Atari Age as well, Ooh, really? uh, which allows you to set up the mazes and uh, and change the graphics around. Ooh, I don't and think throw you in some a- Atari Vox. Well, you would have some robotic police announcements, but still. But uh, I, I don't think you could actually really duplicate the maze, but I think you could make a reasonable facsimile. Sure, sure. And, oh, yeah, one other thing I should mention, though, is like if you are used to playing Pac-Man or any of the Pac-Man games, and you know the uh, nuances, like if you can kind of predict where the monsters are going to go, like where they're going to find shortcuts and all that, you're not going to do well on Thief. You're not. Because you're going to think, oh, okay, it's very easy to just head me off over here. No, it's not going to happen. You're going to die. So <laughs> that's you're going to crash, at least. I don't know if you actually die. but you know. well, By the way, the, the, graph, the, the explosion graphics in this game are just freaking weird. They're like Commodore VIC-20 graphics or something. I don't remember what it looks yeah, like it's, now. It's very low but res. I just played it last night. Hmm. It's very low res. Oh man! Speaking of the graphics, this is you know even though we're, we're this is a different game, but when I was playing Shark Attack earlier, man, mm-hmm. it's there's hardly anything to it. It's just a wide open field where you are controlling a shark and you're trying to uh, not get harpooned by four divers, and your goal is to eat the divers that gets pretty graphic for low res because really you, you eat the diver and out. then your mouth is covered in blood <laughs> and as long as we're uh we're, we're talking about random pacific novelty incorporated games i've made mention in the past i have a copy of replay magazine from like 82 sitting around here somewheres uh the cover of it is actually from the game mr the amazing adventures of mr f lee and they had a big thing inside uh about the game and uh, I was playing a little amazing adventures of Mr. F. Lee tonight, and it's uh, basically 
like Jungle Hunt and Frogger and, you know, other games uh, mixed together in kind of a mini-game format, and I don't care for it. Really? So, huh. Yeah. It's beautiful graphics. The graphics oh, yeah, look like, good, yeah. I didn't actually play it, it, it but it, the, I, when I looked at the graphics, I was like, this looks like it could be a Mr. Do game. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, um, there's a Frogger-type level. There is a, uh, a couple of Jungle Hunt-inspired levels. There is a Donkey Kong-inspired level. And uh, was there a fifth level? I can't think off the top of my head. I don't think there was. I think there was only the four levels. And, uh, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan? So, continue. Not a fan. Okay. Not a fan. Well, um, yeah, I, I'm not, not a huge I don't fan. really have much more to continue on other than giving my rating of... Thief. Did we talk scores? Oh, I guess I can talk scores. Fine. Um, Twin Galaxies has the world record verified April 25th, 1983 as 9,456,120 performed by Mike Ziara. And Orcade.com has, uh, has their record set by Stephen Lucas at Galloping Ghost Arcade on August 27th, 2017. So there we go. That, uh, what was Stephen Lucas's score? You didn't say. 1,115,370. So there's quite a bit of a difference between the score set in 83 versus the arcade one. Well, yeah, well, keep in mind that that uh, Thief is not a common game. It's not a common this game. Is true. Fact. Let me see. Um, I'm going to see if anybody else hey, besides James White, you got your work cut. James White, get to it. Oh, I'm sh- <laughs> oh you, you know what? Let me check something he's out. He's probably actually. already gotten, he's, he's probably already working on it. Oh, by the way, what's what I should mention though, because someone else will mention it if I don't, is that the way "thief" is spelled in the marquee, uh, it's all uppercase letters except the T and the I. So it's it's lowercase T, capital H, lowercase I, capital E, capital F, and there are four thief machines. List like okay, if you do a search for thief, it shows four, but then when you click on it, it only shows three. Let's see. One there's one at Galloping Ghost, one at Grinker's Grand Palace in Eagle, Idaho. I'd love to get there someday. I heard really cool things about that place. I love Idaho and uh, Full Blast Arcade at in uh, North Ridgeville, Ohio, which uh, appears to be a small place. Uh, and if you look at the scores, well, okay, James White has uh, number four there, but with only two hundred and thirty-two thousand. Oh wow! Yeah. The thing is, this is not a high-scoring game. So these people are playing; we're getting over a million. They've been—they must have been playing those things for hours, or they found a an exploit, or that too. Yeah, um, but which uh, it really calls the nine million four hundred fifty-six one twenty into uh, into question. Not saying he didn't do it. Oh no, no, but it I, makes me curious about it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm especially because well, this wouldn't affect the gameplay necessarily, but I'm sure it didn't do well with the tape player. Going oh, for that I, long, I imagine. going for the, that many hours. Oh yeah, I would imagine. A, Heck yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean, anybody who's had an audio cassette player or Walkman way back in the '80s knows exactly what tape players do to tape. They crinkle them. And I have a eventually. feeling that all the scores listed on Orcade.com are either from Galloping Ghost or Grinkers, most so, likely. So yeah, I mean, that's that that's definitely one explanation for the huge discrepancy. Remember, Twin Galaxies has been around since the '80s. That's true. Arcade is not that old. That is true. That is true. But um, you know what? I I'd like to offer my rating of uh, Thief. Um, the thing is, I really want to rate it a four, 
but I can't simply because of the repetitiveness. I really can't. Mm-hmm. For a Pac-Man ripoff, again, let's be honest, it is a Pac-Man ripoff. You are not going to convince me that this was not just a quick, cheap attempt to cash in on the Pac-Man craze, especially given that this came out so soon after Pac-Man hit the, uh, the United States arcades. But uh, I can't give it higher than a three. I really can't. No more than you three know, continues. And- I am going to echo your sentiment. It's it, it's interesting because you said it was you thought it was a cheap, quick cash in on Pac Man, and um, it, it brought to me brought to mind, and I know I've mentioned it before, a review I read of uh, the Lego Movie, where it said, uh, "Yes, this is a cynical um, toy commercial stretched out to movie length, but it's a good cynical <laughs> toy commercial stretched out to movie length," and I would say that this is a good Pac Man ripoff. It's uh, one of the better Pac-Man ripoffs, I would say. But again, repetitiveness and a few issues I had with control in, in like the big wide open areas, uh, I would have to agree with you, and I cannot rate it more than a three. Yay. Yay. Hey. Wow. So that's Thief. That's Thief. Wow. We're like, you know what? Pie Factory Podcast does not just mean value. It also means economy. And especially with the way we, we treated your time economically, on this particular episode. Now that we're almost done, you can get on with your day. We just got a couple of little yeah. things, housekeeping, and then you're going to of be course. done. See? Of course. See, that's how much we value yeah. our listeners. Yeah. Sorry, Tim. I know you want us to go on to take up your entire work day, but, you know, our friend yeah, Tim Foley, but, uh, who's one of, one of two people who've invited us to private arcades, by the way. We've been invited to two different private arcades. We need to get with him. Yeah. We, we need to get w- with him, Tim. Yeah. Well, yeah, but ever notice how many... Uh, how many vintage gamers are named Tim? Some may call him yeah. Tim. Oh, ah, dang it, I did it. Uh, I made the Monty Python reference. <sighs> oh, gosh. I got to think of a quick, 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 Man, quick, you quick are 16 such a candles, stereotype. 16 candles. Okay. What's happening, hot stuff? There we go. There you go. Okay. All right. So, I'm redeemed. Uh, so, um, should, like, people be thanked at this point? Um... Well, do you want to reveal the theme first? All right. Uh, did we agree? Did we ever actually say what the theme was? Or no, did we not just kind really. Of, okay, well, well I mean, it's, it's quite obvious. Here's what, yeah, the theme as I see it is basically Pac-Man ripoffs in which your character is the robber, and with the witness of the police department, you are stealing money. Yeah, <laughs> to pretty clear much. The maze. Cop, Never think the about cops that. It's like, robbers game in which you're the robber. It's like, dude, you got four witnesses now that you're stealing money. Four police officers witnessed it. You're dead. You control the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Think about that for a second. Yeah, that's that's very true. So that's that's it. Cops and robbers games. All right, but um, when you, which you control the bad guy. But um, anyway, I guess we should thank some people. Uh, first yeah, off, let's do that. First off, uh, a thank you to Steve Tui at Tuiville for uh, supporting our show. Thank you, Steve. And for the people who have been supporting us on Patreon, such as Kyle Etter, Jonas Rulo, Keith sure. Sheehan, Underground Ooh. Retrocade, Rory Charles Ooh. Coleman, Richard ah. Valdez, Gregory Soulblazer Polander, Art Guglielmo, cool. wow. uh, Nathaniel Lockhart, and Michael D'Angelo. Sweet. Thank you for your support. Awesome. And uh, once again, unfortunately, due to nature, um, not unfortunate for us, but unfortunate because people's lives had to be turned upside down and in some cases lost. Last month, we donated our Patreon payout to victims of Hurricane Harvey. Well, we're donating our Patreon payout to victims of Hurricane Maria 
Uh, specifically, we're going to send that over to International Medical Corps to help out uh, those folks over in Puerto Rico who are just not having a good time. And um, inter- and I just realized now, International Medical Corps, their headquarters are on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Whoa! So theme. the thief has been down their road. So this is something. So we will make sure that the thief doesn't interfere. Uh, we're going to make Dad, sure. No, 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 no. The thief was stealing the money to donate to Hurricane Relief. Oh! He was oh. being altruistic. Oh, what a guy! What a guy! What a guy! But yeah, yeah. we're gonna thank you. Thief. We're gonna we're gonna like send send out uh, those dollars over to uh, uh, yeah, International seriously. Medical Corps and hopefully. Uh, uh, Give uh, those folks in Puerto Rico a little bit uh, more help. Uh, yeah, we know there's some help in there already, but you know it's not enough. Just they like can with, always use more. In fact, you know what we'll more. do is uh, we'll put a, also put a link to that charity yes. in the show notes in case you want to donate some more. Yes, absolutely. Or just please do if you can, just do whatever you can to help out those who are in need, uh, who are in much more need than Jimmy G and I have ever been. They had. At one point, no freaking electricity at all on the island. Oh, one of my wife's coworkers just today, like, found out that his father was was okay at, down in Puerto Rico. That's that's sad. Yeah, he just found just found a was able to find a picture of him that was taken like in the last couple of days. He made it through okay, relatively. One, I guess one but. thing I do know that's going to happen uh, once all the smoke is cleared, you know, then the cleanup is in full swing and they're, they're on the road to recovery is Puerto Rico is going to be stronger and better than they were. Yeah. When, when you're at the bottom, there's nowhere to go, but up, but anything, little thing we can help them to get, you know, to start going up, you know, helps, I guess. But yeah, but, um, anyway, um, what are we talking about next episode? Well, I'm mildly mildly amused that you asked. Uh, only we're mildly. Be talking about, Come on. Only mildly. Uh, we're going to be talking about Galaxian and Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator. Ooh. Simulator. And that will be episode sixty-five. Episode sixty-five. Ooh. Sixty-five. Yeah, we're getting up there. We're getting up there. Oh we man, this real Hyde's contract still... is going to be oh. expiring in a few months. Ooh, yeah, that's right, isn't it? So it's like we got um, some negotiations. Yeah. Um, Maybe hmm. love songs. I think less said the better about that for now. All right. All right yeah, yeah. Hide, you can cut yeah, that out. Yeah. You know, lawyers and all yeah, of that. Yeah. I know lawyers. All righty. So I guess with that, uh, we will we will say bye-bye. Once again, this is your old buddy, Jimmy G. And your not-quite-as-old buddy, Daylight Sean. And we'll back to pick you up later. Bye-bye. Macaroni. This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Arata was composed by Jim Goebel. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. All right, what's going on? Why do I have receipts from the Jewel Osco in Cary, Illinois? I don't even know where that is. Eh, oh well. Huh? Yeah, and there's a credit card number I don't recognize. Huh. Oh well. So yeah, if you were at the, uh, if you bought something at the uh, Jewel Osco at 696 Northwest Highway in Cary, Illinois, on August it's 28th, by Crystal 2000- Lake, on August 28th, 2016, at 743. 
and 59 seconds p.m. Um, I have your receipt. Uh, give me your address, and I will mail it to you. It's, it's near Crystal Lake, and El- it's in Algonquin Township in McHenry County, Illinois. Population was 17,965 as of 2017, according to Wikipedia. Ding. And I thought I had a bad, ten- uh, bad tangent. Men, this is a serious problem. One thief is eluding the entire force. We must stop this thief. Why not take up a collection and send him to Cleveland? Who said that? Who said that? 